Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Cassiano Loriano. I hope I said that right. How are you doing? Yes, that's right. That's perfect. I'm fine. How about you? I'm very good. Glad to have you here. And when I wake up, people who know me know that I do my burpees in the morning. So I woke up, I did my three sets of nine burpees. So that's 54. I did some stretches and things like that. So I did the calculation. I did 54 this morning. You did 17 times more than that in one hour. Oh, really? Yeah. In one hour, yes. Setting the world record. And they can't see, he looks very humble right now, but he did 951 burpees in an hour. Yeah. It's, um, every time I think about it, it's, it sounds amazing, but uh, I don't really think that way, you know. I think it's just that uh, anyone should be able to do it as long as they put their mind into it. I know it's a big cliche, but hey, it's true. I think that's why people say that so much. Put your mind into anything and you can do it. But it, it's, it's true, you know. And uh, I don't think of uh, as a, a big thing. I, I don't know. It's just when this world record thing came out and people started asking and everything, it felt so weird to me. Because, like I said, everybody's, everybody's able to do it. So I don't think any, there's nothing special to it, honestly. That's very humble. And I, actually, you, you talked about the mental side of things. And I'm really curious about, there are parts of it, every single time when I'm about to do my burpees, I'm always thinking, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Oh, I got to do it. Even though I've done it many, 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 many times. I want to know more than anything else. Your mental state, just at a couple different times, like just before doing it, while you're doing it, when you decided to put the training in, because you don't want to like do your, you don't want to do it half-ass, right? You don't want to do it and then realize at like 57 minutes, like, ah, oh, you know, I could have put it, you don't want to do it part way. No, no. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, even in, in my professional career, before my professional career as a jiu-jitsu fighter, and then when I became a professional fighter, I've always been uh, some of, uh, I like to say, kind of a, uh, uh, fictionated uh, on it it's i was in law school though before before i started fighting did you say law school and then i law school yeah uh-huh. so then i qualified fighting into the worlds and then uh it's either this or that no uh, you know i'm always like that so i quit on that to to do the the, the fighting and i've been always always straight head on into anything i do it's just something that i was born with i guess Started on my second day of training, I started training three hours a day. And when I noticed I was training six to eight hours a day for over 10 years, then that became my life, you know. So when I decided to do this burpees, I was actually fresh out of a workout. And I got the news that uh, my niece was going to be born with a, with a heart disease, right? And, uh, and I thought that uh, because I'm not a much of a, of a talker, I'm more of a doer, you know. I don't express my emotions and things like that. I'm kind of cold kind of a person. And then I just, my mom told me the news and the family was very, very, uh, uh, was feeling bad about it. And then uh, I didn't say anything back actually. And then the first thing that came to my mind is I have to do something. You know, I'm 40 plus hours away from home and I feel like uh, I need to do something. And I started thinking, thinking and honestly, five minutes in, it came, I have to beat a world record to to show my appreciation for my family, for my niece, and to show support to her and to find a way to help her, actually help her. And I started Googling. Ten minutes in, I found the record, and then I said, that's it. I always, in my career, I was always being known as a, a person that has a good cardio. I always had an amazing cardio uh, capability. 
above the normal, even in between the professional athletes. So I figured out that burpees is something very, very hard. They would challenge me to, to become a, a better athlete and a better person as doing because it requires a lot of you uh, psychological side, you know. And that would show even uh, it'll show even more how much I appreciate my family and how much I want to help her. So that's how it, it came to light. I decided in 10 minutes, I decided what I was going to do. In 15 minutes, I called my family and I said, I'm doing it. And then after uh, I put my word out, there's, I cannot pull back, you know. So I think, yeah, I think that I, I was very fast, so I would not quit on myself. So when I tell my family something, that, that's what's going to be. Always been like that. I never said, told them that I was going to do something and did not do. There's, there's not an option for me, especially being so far away from them. I feel that I need to validate being away from them and missing my, my, my brother grow up, my niece, my older nieces grown up. I feel like I need to accomplish great things uh, to show them that it's worth it, you know. And yeah, that's how that whole thing came to light. And then straight away, right after a workout, a three, four hours workout, okay? Because I was in lockdown and I have a full on huge gym in my home. And oh, you know what? I'm going to try those first 15 minutes on his pace to see how hard it can be. It cannot be. 15 minutes of purpose. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Because (laughs) I thought I'm going to, I'm going to try the first 15 minutes on his pace, on the record pace. Right. Uh And by the time was 860 and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to give it a go. You know, I'm I'm pretty warmed up. I just did some three hours workout. So I'm cool. (laughs) Right. So I started on his pace doing the chest-to-ground burpees, which was a new burpee to me. i never seen it before, uh-huh. right? The one that you open the arms. And, uh, well... And that's like one every two and a half seconds, I guess? One every... Something like, no, one every... That, back then was one every... Almost four seconds. Almost four seconds uh-huh. on that pace. And then, eight minutes scene, I was like, I couldn't move anymore. <laughs> and I got... Brother, I have to tell you that I got hooked. I was like, yeah... That's it. I chose it, the one, <laughs> you know. So two days later, I started training for it. And a lot of suffering, a lot of blood, literally. Uh-huh. I bled so many times. I cried so many times. And, you know, hopefully everything worked out, not as smoothly as I thought, but uh, it, it did work out. I want to call a difference between, you said once you decide to do it, you're going to do it. Yes. Now, that's the resolve to do it. Now, separately, there's getting through the physical challenge and the emo- emotional challenge. Because at many times, I'm sure something in you is saying very loudly, stop. Yeah. Just, you know, oh, you've done enough already. Everyone feels that. And the look on your face tells me you feel that too. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Every, yeah. every single time because I hate burpees. I'll be honest with you. I hate, I always hated them. I hate uh-huh. burpees. I'd rather do push-ups. I'm freaking good at push-ups, brother. But I hate burpees. But that record was too high, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> so then again, I'll, I'll repeat what I said. Uh, I guess that's once, I think that how uh, we as men and women, we're supposed to, to be true to our words. You know, we're supposed to say that we're going to do something and 
go ahead with it. It doesn't matter the consequences, you know, or what you have to go through to achieve it. So, unfortunately, not everyone is like that, right? But uh, I take proud of being someone that pushed through everything I can to to achieve what I want to do, you know? So, the times that I was feeling bad, right? I just had to think about what I said. I said that I'll do it and The only enemy is me. I'm not fighting. You know, sometimes fighting, you can get hit with a punch or a kick or something, then it's over. When you are your only opponent, there's no reason for you to stop, right? Other than yourself. So I felt like I didn't want to do it. Sometimes, you know, I open a gym here December 26th and I started training a month before. And right after I opened, I was teaching seven classes a day. And then sometimes during the day, I didn't have time to train. And uh, I closed the gym at 9.30, clean, 10.30, 11, I would start my training. And uh, well, sometimes 1 a.m., I was finishing my training, closing the gym, going home to sleep and teaching at 6 a.m. again. So nothing ever got in the way of what I wanted to do. And I think that's uh, the main lesson here is that you have to set your mind to something and just run through it to the end, you know? I'm curious when you... When you feel discouraged, I think we all know that you feel the same things that we all do. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how, like, what are the thoughts in your head or the feelings inside you before you say, I'm going to do it anyway? What is the feel? Like, for me, I often have a feeling of like, no, I'll do extra tomorrow. Or, you know, if no one, you know, no one really knows, it, this can't, like, I'll do fewer and that'll be enough. Like, how to get through that seems to me as much the problem of building the muscle and so forth. The commitment that you made with people has to be as bigger as the commitment that you make to yourself. So you cannot lie to yourself. I cannot look myself at the mirror knowing that I did not did what I set out to do. If my training is this, I'm, I'm carrying on with it. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. There was not one day, not one time in those 25,599 burpees that I did during training that I thought I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to train today. There's not one day that I postpone it or one day that I, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. So I don't know how to say that to you, how to, how to put in words that, what it comes to my mind, because it's something that it became automatic on me during the years. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it doesn't go through my mind. Like, I'm not going to do it. It goes, oh, man, this sucks. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as, as I'm saying that, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm moving. You know what I mean? As I'm, I'm 30 minutes in, my, my legs are shattered. My back is shattered. My shoulders, my chest cannot take it. I'm just thinking about the pain, but I'm, I'm not thinking about stopping, you know? So I don't know how to, how to put in words what exactly I think. Because it doesn't really go through my, at least, at least the way that I am, the way that I've been, the things that I passed to shape me to become this, you know, so I really don't know how to put in words what I tell myself, oh, I'm going to stop because it doesn't go through my mind. Honestly, I don't remember going through my mind during those nine months of training, at least. And is the stuff keeping you going? How much of it is like you've made the decision? Are you thinking of your niece in particular or your family in particular? Are you thinking of your home? Are you, is that where it's coming from? Or is it lots of different things? Maybe other things as well? It's a lot of different things. You know, brother, that uh, 
when I first went to the US, uh, I'm from a poor family, naturally, you're from Brazil, right? When I first went to the US, <laughs> when I first went to the US, uh, I didn't, um, it, that, that, this is not something that I often talk about, you know, but I agreed to, to come here, so, right? Because I don't like people seeing me as a, I, I don't know, brother, but uh, the first time when I went to the US, I, I, di- I, I didn't have a place to stay or anything. I went with $200. So I stayed in the streets for a month and a half till I find a, till I find a, a place that would, they allow me to train and uh, allow me to clean the gym and all that so I could sleep in the gym. So three months later, I was a world champion. I, was, I went from living to this in the streets to be a world champion, to go into a foreign country without never being in a plane before, only with my backpack and $100. And uh, that, that I made out by selling socks in the street, you know? <laughs> so, and my grandma, my grandma, she gave me some of her jewelry, bless her. She gave me some of her jewelry for me to, to sell and, pay, and help to pay for the ticket. Yeah. So, and that's why uh, I, I tell you, it, it doesn't go through my mind not doing it. So, I really, it's really hard for me to tell you, what do you think? It doesn't go through my mind that not doing, oh, I have to do it. It might be weird or I don't know. It is a lot of suffering when you go through all that, that, that thing in training. But coming into the U.S., being a world champion in jiu-jitsu and then having to be away from my family my whole life because I'm from a, a small town shaped me into, I guess, not thinking about not important things like I'm tired. It's not important to me. You know, I think what is important is just keep on the straight line. Man, I wish people could have seen, I, I don't know if this is the right thing to point out, but the smile on your face when you said my grandmother gave me her jewelry to sell, that it could have sounded like tragic, but it was... She was an amazing person and she loved me a lot, a lot. She was also a bit of a different person, just like myself. Uh, I'm not putting myself as a, a normal guy that goes out with her friends and, and drink and have a normal life. I don't, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, she was a bit different, but she loved me a lot. And she was sick already. She had a, a brain problem. And then, but she still, she was still thinking straight. And then she's mm-hmm. like, Cassiano, you know, I'm not going to leave a little bit of the jewelry that I have to, to our grandpa. You might as well go and sell it, <laughs> no, oh, that kind of thing. And then I say, sure, yeah, sure, of course. Are we going to leave to who? You know, there's no one for us to leave. She has two sons. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so she has my, my dad and uh, my, my uncle, right? They, they're both dudes. So she's like, I'm not going to leave this to anyone. So use it for a good cause, you know, go and win the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm also curious, when, okay, burpee, a burpee is not a particularly high impact thing. It, it's grueling. Mm-hmm. So the blood, where's the blood coming from? Oh, if you go to my, I, I'm not a social media guy. I swear to God, I'm not. But my I have two business partners here. They keep busting my beep to postings and to you know because of the business so during this whole burpee thing they made me post a lot of things one of the last things that i that i posted was 
try to do a thousand burpees without stopping and then look at your knees and look at your knees and, and then at your feet. You see a lot of blood. Believe me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Especially this uh, burpee that uh, the burpee that I do a bit is the push-up burpee, right? You go down with your hands here and you pull yourself uh-huh. up, right? Yeah, that's what the, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, this one is the chest to ground burp. So you go down, you open your arms sideways, all those sideways, like this, hold to the middle, and then you jump back up. So you go flat on the floor. Full on flat on the floor. Oh, so that's it kills, what it is. okay. Yeah, it kills the momentum. So when you go down, you literally hit uh, at least your belly and all your uh, knees and, and feet, they really slam against the floor because you don't have a lot of control because you don't have your hands on the floor that much. Okay. Yeah. Now I have to try. I haven't done that way. I had a guest on here before, Anna Tobias Tunnicliffe, and she won the Olympic gold medal for um, sailing, which I wow. know sailing has been an Olympic medal for since the 1800s i think yeah and then oh yeah and then she also won the crossfit games wow i was just watching the crossfit games today they're amazing right they're amazing yeah and she did she i saw some training videos of her and she would do burpees where she goes down and when she she takes her hands off the ground you just go down and you just take her it's it's not like a and they should go down should jump Oh, I, I, this was just regular. I, I don't know if she was doing burpees, but it was just a push-up. And it's a push-up. It's, a, it's a, I forgot the name, but you just go down, take your hands, and go back in a push-up. Go down, take your yeah. hands. It's a, I, I forgot the name. But we do that a lot in a CrossFit box. It's quite normal. But I, I skip the name now. You just go down and take your hands. So I'd never seen that before. And so after I saw it, I was like, oh, let's try that. So now... Since I do burpees every day, I, I do different variations every couple of days. And so I have a of cycle course. that I go through. And so that's one of the cycles. And whenever I do that, I think of her. And so now you've taught me something. And now whenever I do, I'm going to do chest to ground burpees now because I, I hadn't done before. Oh, that one, uh, that one, that one is harder. It's the hardest version of it. It's the hardest version of burpees of, uh, of them all. When I do your way, now, now I'm going to associate this with you. And now when I do it this way, I'll think, oh, I'm doing it easy. Like oh, I, guess, I, I, guess, I guess I'll be <laughs> in your mind for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that, that is a very hard one because when you go down it kills the whole momentum when you open the arm it kills the whole momentum yeah yeah that's it i have this belief in life that not a belief it's an observation tell me if it fits with you i think that we, we do various things in life say i run to catch a bus and i run like 10 meters mm-hmm. i get on the bus no big deal it hasn't changed my life if i run a marathon then that's changed my life it normally seems like most people from the outside say, oh, that's a really big achievement. But I think when we actually do these really big achievements, it actually means it's the, now we're at a new level. It t- it's actually the beginning of something more. So I, su- I suspect that after you did this, I bet you felt like now you're on the platform for the next thing. And I'm not sure, but... It's going to be... Uh, um, <laughs> so let me tell you a quick story about my, my day of my burpees. Okay, day uh-huh. of the record. It was on a Friday at 6 p.m., so uh, I was overtrained. I trained uh, too much. I, I crossed the line a little bit. I didn't listen. I lost to my coaches. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, on a Wednesday night, I finished uh, 500 burpees, 512 burpees in 29 minutes. And then, uh, okay, I'm done with the training. Now I rest Thursday and Friday I go and beat the record. So my goal always has been more than 1,000 because uh, in a few times I did 1,000 plus in training, right, in one hour. So I went home and I was uh, showering 
right? And as I lift my right foot to, to wash it, my left hip flexor popped. Oh. And, uh, and then I was in pain, a lot of pain. Anyways, heading into the training, into the, the day, I couldn't sit on a chair, literally, because uh, I had I have, uh, a bad injury in my hip flexor muscles, right? So, but by then I knew it already. I knew what I have to go through. So at least I had one day to prepare myself psychologically for that because I knew I'd be in a lot of pain. And there was no way I was mm. pulling out because if I pull out, it would look bad for me. I would not feel good about myself and I could not endure any more training without resting. So when it started, my first 10 burpees, uh, I was in a crazy amount of pain already. Really, really, really took me off of everything. It took me off of my rhythm, uh, my concentration, everything, because the only thing that I could think was about the pain, right? And I could not keep my pace anymore. In five minutes, I knew that I was, would not be able to count my burpees because the way for me to keep my pace is counting. You know, over that much of th that amount of training that you go through, you know exactly in which minute you need to be in which number and all that. So I was completely out of it, out of it. It was, it was horrible. It was so much pain. Around 27 minutes, I felt like I was going to pass out uh, because of the pain, because I was completely dizzy. And then I pushed through to 30 minutes. And then I sat because uh, you can ha have as many rests as you want to, right? As long as... Yeah, because the clock is ticking. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Exactly. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. The clock is ticking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually, my, I never stop before in my training. Not once. I never stop in one hour. Never, never, ever. So I stopped because of the pain. Because I felt, oh, I might as well stop. Then I pass out face plan here and not able to, to finish, right? So I stopped for a minute. And then I went back and my body was frozen. Everything, everything stopped working. And then I was passing out again. So... End of the day, uh, I did 951, and I was not pleased, obviously, because that's not even close of what I'm capable of. Although that's 72 reps more than the record, that's not even close that I can do it. You know, So yeah, the next big thing is me beating my record. I actually asked to the Guinness uh, World Records for me to beat three records in a day, but they said that I would have to pay three times. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's not happening. Yeah. So that's not happening. I stopped three times in, during that one hour. One of the times which I have no recollection of it because I was out, I, I threw up in my hands and I swallowed it. You know, I was... I, I chuckled there because he had a funny expression on his face. Ah, uh, bro. It's, <laughs> when he said that. Uh, it, it's, it's not pleasant, you know. And I didn't, I didn't remember this because... They asked us to review everything. So a week later, we were reviewing everything. And then the, the Guinness Book guy said, ah, you stopped three times. And I said, no, I stopped two times. No, I stopped two times. I said, you're lying. No, I'm not. You stopped. I said, no. So he sent me the thing again and turned out that I stopped three times that I didn't remember. I remember only two. So then, guess, I stopped three times when I was not supposed to stop. So that's why I need to do that again. Uh, that's, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to do more than a thousand. Yeah. So you'll break your own record. The injury that you had a couple days before, it makes me think of, like, I'm not the most fit person in the world, mm -hmm. but when I meet people who are unfit, they often say to me, well, I can't, I have my knee, my hip, they have some injury. 
But when I meet the people who are the most fit or have accomplished the most physical stuff, they have, the, they have way more injuries. But we think differently. We have something to accomplish. Because when you say about uh, fittest people you meet, usually they are competitors, right? Uh, I would guess. So when you are, we are competitors, so there's not a lot of things stopping us other than ourselves. So we don't really care much about those pain, the little pain here and little pain there because you have something to accomplish. As injury goes, uh, you know, you spoke to many, uh, like I said before, this CrossFit athlete, Olympic champion, you must know that a uh, high, high, high level sport is, it doesn't relate that much to health. You know, it's not healthy. It's not healthy to do almost 26,000 burpees in, in, in nine months. And still teaching and training other things on top of that. It's not healthy for you to train six, eight hours a day and then go into a cage half naked, get punched in the face. It's not healthy. Any any Olympic athlete or world champion, they're not fully healthy people. Although they appear to be high-level sports, there's not much to do with health. <laughs> you know, we we are uh, most of us at least are uh, have uh, a lot of broken things in, in the body, sustain a lot of injuries during the time because you don't put a lot of uh, resting time because you need to train. You have a competition or you have something to accomplish so you cannot stop. So it, most of us don't really, don't fully heal our injuries and we sustain a lot of that throughout the professional lives and we pay dividends when we get older and retire. So if you're physically not healthy, are you mentally more healthy, mentally less healthy? Are you also injuring yourself mentally? I would think that mentally it makes us tougher, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> or more healthy per se, you know, because... Uh, you learn how to deal with adversities in, in, in pro of something bigger than yourself, which is the competition, you know. So I guess you can translate that to your life after that, you know, about dealing with, with problems in the day-to-day life, you know, with either lack of money or extra money or whatever it is that you're dealing with. But things suddenly become so small, I guess, non-important when you really, really push your body and your mind to the absolute limit, things get a different perspective after that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That I, I mean, I've come across like running a marathon is not a particularly healthy thing to do. And no, it's not. Not close to, <laughs> and it's not even close to what some people do. But the fortitude and the resolve and the discipline and the self-awareness and the, I mean, you must face a lot of demons. Yes, when, of course. Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, also, there's something else I wanted to, I, I, could, I could keep going on any one thing because what you're saying, there's so much in it. You also mentioned your coaches, but you're also yourself a teacher of roughly what you got coaching in. What's the value of coaching? How did you, and how many did you have and, and why not do it yourself? Uh, you know that, oh, how do I translate that to English now? There's a say that uh, do what I say, uh, don't do what I do, is it? Yeah, in English we say, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, not as I do. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> when you are coaching, uh, when you are taking your athletes somewhere, you know the, the right pathway to do it because it's their competition. Although you, it, Because you want the best for them, right? You want them to succeed. So you know if you see something wrong, you from the outside with no emotions involved, you know 
what is best for them and you advise them to do it. But when it is yourself, it's, it's different. It's just different. And coaching taught me that a lot. And I realized after coaching, after teaching kids and, and teaching adults, I realized that uh, I do many things that I tell them not to do. Because, I don't know, I feel like a superhuman or something, you know. But uh, it is like that. When it's not yourself, it's different. So how many coaches did you have? For this? For this, yeah. For, for this, two. two. Uh, one in Brazil. We'll do all the... He would send me a lot of trainings and, and read all my results after. Because obviously I was always using the heart monitor and everything. And another one that was in contact to him and would translate it, everything here in Singapore. Actually, the main coach was in Brazil. It's something that I trust my whole life, someone that I trust my whole life. So he was in close contact with this person here in Singapore. But that guy there was the one, the, the main person uh, guiding me to everything. What percentage of what you did would you have been able to do had you hadn't had a coach? Like if you did 951, what could you have done on your own? Oh, uh, I don't know. I have no idea, but definitely less because you, you commit mistakes by yourself. There was a lot of times that uh, I was doing something wrong and they would pull my ear, you know. So because, uh, again, as an athlete, as, I don't know, physically I always felt kind of, I don't know, invincible kind of thing, you know, or like that, that I don't get tired, uh, that my muscles won't. My, my tendons will stay in place, that my joints won't break. That I always felt that way, but that's not the reality. I mean, I was taught a hard lesson on these burpees on a Wednesday night, you know, because I didn't, I didn't listen to them. So yeah, definitely I would have gone way overboard without them and have injured myself much worse and maybe not even be able to do it. You need someone from the outside to guide you through. Although you... A lot of us think we don't. We do. We definitely do. We do. We need expertise. We need a pair of eyes seeing you from the outside and your body language and how you're behaving, how your mood and everything changes according on how you are performing. If you're performing well, they will know it. If you're performing or on the outside, by the way we speak, the way you behave, they can tell uh, how you are doing. You know what I mean? And there's someone that knows you very well. So, yeah, you, I don't think I'll have been able to do, maybe even not take the challenge without a coach, without someone overseeing me. Because I'll just go, 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 no stop. <laughs> it's funny what you said at the very beginning and the very end. I, I hadn't expected that. Like the stuff about seeing you from the outside and knowing different things than you do, that I expected, but that you would have overtrained. Yeah. But that's, but that's me. That's me. That, that's me. That's my personality. Well, I, I mean, I, I coach a lot of people in leadership and in sustainability. And I, it didn't occur to me that like, people often, they try very hard, but if they try hard without, without knowledge of what they're doing, they often end up disliking what they did. They, they work hard, don't get done what they wanted to get done, and they get angry at themselves and then just say, oh, I can't just do that. I can't do that. I'm not good at that. Because you're not sailing in the right direction. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I guess that can... You can translate for life, for your work, for anything, right? So you cannot be that proud in, in your personal life as well. I want to start talking about the environment, but I have a question I've always wanted to ask an MMA fighter, and I haven't talked to like a champion MMA fighter. And I'm curious the feeling of getting someone into a submission hold. 
versus you being in a submission hold. Because when you're in it, like it must feel like so helpless. And I'm curious the feeling one way, the feeling the other way. It depends on which submission hold you're talking about, you know, because when it's a choke, we're talking about a fight or you're talking about training here. Well, it's, it's a different feeling. It's completely different. If I'm in a fight, I mean, I haven't got myself submitted or finished in a fight yet. But I guess I, uh, if I, I'm in a choke, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll be fighting that choke till I pass out probably because I'll not quit. If it's my arm, it would probably end up broken or something. It depends. If it's in the gym and you get one and a half choke, I'm tapping. I'm fine. Okay, fine. You know, so there's no proud. There's no pride in anything. It's a training partner. It's in a safe environment, although it don't seem like it. You know, but if it's in a in a, in a fight, it depends from a person to person. I, I never been submitted or or knocked out in a fight yet. So I really, I, I guess that I would not tap though. Although I'll not say that to my students. You tap. You tap. Better tap. Don't hurt yourself. Don't be as dumb as your coach. <laughs> How about when you have someone else in the hold? Have you ever gone into someone that other people were thinking, uh, he's going to lose this one, and then you won? Or yes. were you ever an underdog? Yes, of course. Of course. Of course. My um, This fight, the jungle fight, this guy, was uh, he fought for the title already. And he was really tall. He was 184. I'm 161. I'm a freaking midget. <laughs> the guy was freaking tall and uh, I saw the battings on that and I was like huh. and I'm like huh I'm gonna knock this guy out right but then I broke my I broke my my thumb during the fight so my bonus is sticking out here and then because he has a, he was a striker and I wanted to knock him out because I'm known as a grappler so I'm like, I'm going to knock him out for, for you in your face. You know, I'll say that to everyone. <laughs> and I broke my, th- my thumb and then I had to, to take him down and submit him. And then as I was stepping him, I was just, it, it's funny you say that because that's probably the only time that I was an underdog that it kind of pissed me off. And then I was, I got him in a rear naked choke, right? And I was choking him that, that, that image that I saw from the batting things came out. And I was like, huh, you know, I remember that. I remember I was choking him and that image of me on the lower portion of the screen came out and I was like, hmm. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the listeners can't see the look on your face of like, you're talking about choking and submitting and the big smile, the wistful look in your eye of like, yes, yes, yes. That was such a nice thing. Like, Yeah, it, but, but it, it is nice to look back a little bit and see that you did nice things despite all the scary things around, you know. It's like to, to look back and, and see what you accomplish sometimes. If you like the show, I recommend acting, as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. All right, I'm going to switch over to the environment now. And 
most people, when they think about the environment, the first thing they think about is like carbon dioxide or plastic or pollution. And I think that like carbon dioxide doesn't itself, it's a, it's a molecule. It reacts to us. It's us. It's our behavior. And all of your talk about, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, all the resolve and the, the inner, if we want to change what happens in the environment, we have to change ourselves. And I don't know if you realize, I was listening to you talking about preparation and training, but I was also thinking about what we really need in the environment is much more of that. I think your skills and your experiences are more relevant to more people than teaching them about carbon dioxide and teaching them about, you know, all the, all the science. I mean, that's important, but if we want to change our behavior, then it's more about, I think there's a lot of people out there saying, Oh, I don't feel like it. I don't feel And they need more of what you have more than what a scientist has. I think. Because a science uh, a scientist, in my opinion, can only uh, as much tells you uh, what happens and tell you what you have to do, but they are not the ones responsible for the doing in 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 the in the world itself, right? So you are the one that has to to change it. Yeah, if actually, there's an analogy I use sometimes that if I want to learn how to box or if I want to learn how to fight, I shouldn't go to a medical doctor. I should go to you, because a medical doctor might know all the anatomy, and they might know in principle what to do to build a particular muscle or to train a particular whatever, but they haven't actually done it. And it's a very different thing to, to have done something, to lead someone else to do it. If you haven't yourself done it, it's, it's really tough to lead someone to do something that, can I lead someone to do something that I not only don't know how to do, but I've even tried? That's pretty tough. I think, what I, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Uh coaches let's put on this analogy there's a lot of a lot of coaches that uh in football in uh in fighting that they they're never uh successful uh players and fighters itself themselves and there's a lot of uh, controversy about it that people uh should really listen to them or not to the analogy because when they tell you to do something if they would have done it or not so i think it's a it's a, it's a very very uh hard point to to, to speak because uh if you don't have the experience, it's hard for you to tell someone and, and, and expect that person to respect you. You know, so when you talk about the environment, I think that uh, if it's someone like yourself that are, that is doing something, it, it should be uh, more uh, able to tell me what to do and guide me through it. So you go back to what you said. You should go to a, to a fighter, not to a doctor. So again, if I want to learn about environment, like I said, I, I should have, I should go to you that actually do something. I would respect more than come from a, uh, someone that it, it doesn't leave their, their office. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's, exactly, it's what I say all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And it's a crazy thing because the scientists learned about the effect first. So they learned about it and they know what to do in principle about it. Like they know emit less carbon dioxide. Well, that's easy to say, but the problem with emitting carbon dioxide is not like, no one's saying I'm going to pollute. They're saying, you know, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to buy a bag of chips. And now there's a plastic bag that is going to last for hundreds of years. But they didn't say I'm going to get a plastic bag. They said, I want no, some chips. No. And there's a side effect that they didn't think about. And facing, so there's lots of scientists who know the problem and they're still flying around the world and they're still, you know, they're polluting as much as they always have. They only give you the information, but yeah. if you don't do it, it's hard. So is the environment something that's important to you? I mean, we talked a little bit before. Mm. Is it something you care about? Is it something you're, that you pay attention to much? Yeah, like I said before, uh, it's not something that I've been paying attention to my, my life, honestly. And I told you before, and I apologize for that. 
uh, because we all, we have uh, people have different pets, right? Have different skill sets and worry about different things. So we try to get uh, what we can from people. So now I came here today hoping to learn something that to add in my life as well. You know, of course, uh, I know about everything that you are saying. We, we, like I asked you before, and I, I, I mentioned before when we were talking before we record. Uh, are you following the Olympics? Oh, I see the headlines. That goes the same. It goes the same to me when you talk about environment. You see all the work that are done, uh, documentaries and everything, but it's very superficial for me. But obviously, I'd love to uh, learn more about it and uh, you know, and do something about it as well. When you think of nature, when you think of outdoors, what do you think of? Like, what comes? What images come to mind? What does nature mean to you? Physically, what comes to mind? It's my city. I have a lot of green. It comes a mountain kind of image with snow, and that's a image. Talking about image, that was comes to that was comes to my mind. It's image. I just think about green and mountains and uh, and snow. That that what comes to my mind. I really, like I said, I really think only superficially about it. And this is back in Brazil? Because I don't think of Brazil and snow together. No, 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 no. Uh, I like snow, though. I imagine snow. In my city, in my city, where we got very, very cold winter in my state. Now in my state, have very cold winter. So sometimes our grasses, they get white, but it's from ice, not snow. So I was just making an analogy because I love green. I love green. I love, I mean, there's my house and outside there's a lot of trees and a lot of uh, fields, you know, we barely have neighbors. So I love being out, outdoors. And here in Singapore or in LA, and I, I don't have it. I, I go sick. Oh, really? What? So there's a healthiness and a sickness comparison of, of that outdoors? Because I, I feel like you're not you're not just talking about any mountains and any green, but like it's your specific. I'm picturing you, and tell me if I'm wrong. That like there's specific mountains that were like your mountains. I'm not sure. Yes, yes. Uh, I feel like people in the city, the way that they live here in Singapore, the way that they live in LA, there's some kind of sick. There's some kind of sickness going on because they don't know what really life. The life is bigger than just those buildings and those roads that they ride through it, you know. And I, fortunately, I had the experience to live in among uh, a green my whole life because we have farms there and we are big, a big farming state. So uh, to me, that is life, is opening your window and seeing big pasture, you know, seeing some horses and some animals, and, you know, putting your feet in the grass. To me, that, that, that is life. That is like a healthy kind of life, healthier than the life that we live in the city. I really don't appreciate it. And I completely dislike the life that uh, we live in the city, you know. Man, this is, this is very touching for me to hear. And, and it's also making me think of, like, I was just out hiking yesterday outside the city. And it's lovely, although there's still, it's maybe 50 miles outside the city. And so there's still like people, there's a river and I can hear the motorboats and people going by on like the jet skis. I'm like, do they not see what they're not getting? Like exactly to be in a beautiful, I mean, the Hudson river is so beautiful. And then to go in a jet ski there, it's like, you're making it less beautiful. 
<laughs> I was talking about that my, with my girlfriend three days ago. She was going on her phone and said, oh, let's go on this uh, cruise ship when the borders are open, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I go, why don't we go to a lake to swim? Why do you need a freaking ship to be on top of the water? I want to be in the water. <laughs> and it's so funny that you say that now. I, 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 I really, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a country boy, you know, and uh, people really, really don't know what they're they losing. I'm pretty sure you saw Into the Wild, right? I don't think I saw it. it what? Was that about? Yes. I mean, about it's, it's a nature movie. Into the Wild. Um, even the, the soundtrack was all uh, written by Eddie Vedder. Uh, the Pearl Jam uh, lead vocal. Okay, so you turn off your screen after we talk and you have to go and watch that. It's about uh, a guy. It's actually a true story about a guy that lived this urban uh, life and he decided to get the hell out and go into the wild. It's an amazing movie, an amazing, inspiring story. I would have guessed that you watch it many, many times. Oh, now I'm going to watch it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you let me know what you think about it. I watched it the first time in 2008, when the first time that I was in LA, after I was done living in the streets. <laughs> right uh-huh. there, I had a computer already. And then I sent it to my dad and to my mom, and they thought that I, would, <laughs> I was going to disappear. Uh, now I'm yeah. wondering if you... I, I have this feeling that you're, you're like... First you said you came and you were living in the streets... Then you became a world champion. And then I'm like, and then you hang out with Eddie Vedder. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I wish I had it. I wish. Not yet. Uh, I wish. I wish. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. Huge. I wish. So now going back to the feelings that you described of being in the farm, opening the windows, seeing the horses, contrasting that with the unhealthiness of where you are now and of people living in cities, I invite you at your option to think of something that you could do based on those feelings, based on, and maybe the contrast between the healthiness in one place and the unhealthy and unhealthiness in another, to think of something that you can do that you're not already doing, that you do yourself with your own hands. So not, not telling other people to do it or getting other people to do something instead. <laughs> and something that has like a physical component. So not just watching a movie or, or, or reading a book. Something you could do. And if you come up with something, then I'll ask you to come back a second time and share how it went doing it. And let me, just to clarify, a lot of people hear something I didn't ask. I didn't say what's the most important thing you could do, what's the biggest thing you could do. This is not trying to fix yes. you know, global warming. It's trying to bring that healthiness into your life. And it could be that you do it forever. It could be that you just do it once, but something physical that, you, that you're not already doing. No, uh, I'm speechless. It's a, it touched on a good point. I will definitely think and I'll definitely do something. Yeah, sure. It usually takes a bit of going back and forth. Yes. And almost everyone is like, it's almost impossible at this stage not to think to yourself, what am I already doing? I'm already doing enough. Or then there's a mental shift. It's like, oh, there is something else I could do. Yeah, because uh, sometimes we have, like I said, we have different skill sets and different drives in life, right? So what I'm doing is completely different from that. So, and, but then uh, again, we are always able to do something else at least a tiny bit, right? So when you invited me to that, yeah, definitely. I'm a healthy young dude with a clear mind, knowing a little bit more about it now. And uh, of course, but give me a few days to come up with something and I'll reach out to you and I'll tell you. Ah, 
We'll do it now. A lot of people say that. No, okay, me. okay, okay. No, no, no. Hey, 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 hey. Look, if you have uh, an idea, if you have a suggestion, please help me out. Because here's I'm, a, learned I'm a white over... belt on that. I'm a white belt on all that. <laughs> well, here's what I've learned over doing this with many, many guests. And, and I just, you know, I have this conversation with many, many people. Mm-hmm. And I found a couple of things. Remember when you said you came on here and you, you wanted to come on here to learn something from me? Yes. And what I've learned is that if I tell you things, then you know more information. But when you, when you get to where you think of something on your own, that shift is much bigger than any information I could give you. So I'm going to hold you a bit to this to come up with something here. So what's a time when you, you, you mentioned your girlfriend talking about the boat. Is there another time when you felt like someone where you were was missing the point or someone, when was a time that you specifically, like recently, you're doing something during the day and you think, this isn't how we did it back home. Back home was so much better. Or sometime when you're missing or seeing something unhealthy around you, missing healthiness or... I miss seeing flowers and, and, and seeing trees through my window. I miss that. And seeing a, a field of green like I see back home, I miss that a lot. And what are they doing there that is missing it? What, like, is there something that's unhealthy around you? Oh, man. I know that you got me, you got me think of that. It's very, very hard to, to number things because I never, never really think about it. You just, I just, what could be something that I can do? Hmm. We do recycle here. In Singapore, all over Singapore, you have to. A lot. There's a lot of, uh, and uh, actually in Singapore, there's a lot of green, but I don't see through my window. You know, I miss that. I never, I never had plants. You know, it's always something that I wanted to do, but I do not never got around to it. To uh, growing some kind of garden, kind of thing. You know, never got around to do that. Yeah, since you mentioned that, people can't see it, but you can see, I don't know if you can see my window over there. I got some plants growing. Yeah, so and I never had that. I always wanted to, but I never got the push. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if that would count. That, oh yeah, as long as it has some measurable effect. If you get a plant, if you plant something or you get a plant and you keep it going, that, that meets the criteria that over experience I found. Okay, so we, you got it. That's what I'm going to do. Right on that window there. There's a window there. Can you see it? Next time we speak, yeah, I'll have something growing there. Okay. Do you see how why I held, I held you to it for a bit? Because to come up with, usually when people come up with it, they're like, oh, that, I can do that. And the first time someone does something, whether it's big or small, people always get worried like, oh, what if it's not big enough? But that's not the measure. It doesn't it's matter. whether they enjoy it. Exactly. I would, I would love it. I'd love it. I would love it. I'm going to tell you a story of, because this is just very new. Last year, I wanted jalapeno, like I wanted to grow some jalapeno peppers. And so I had some jalapenos and I took the seeds and I just stuck them in the ground and nothing grew. And it turns out that like you're, you don't just stick them in the ground. But I was like, how can it not be just sticking in the ground? Because how do the peppers <laughs> work otherwise? And, and then I talked to some people and they said, you got to, they said there's a process to do that's a little different. I was like, oh, I'll get around to it later. And I always kept saying, I'll get around to it later. I'll get around to it later. I never got it. This year, the pepper plant grew. Oh, shit. 
like just some plant was growing. And I was like, I don't know what this plant is. <laughs> like, I don't know what, why this plant is growing. And I didn't, you know, you, normally when you weed, you take the plant out. And for some reason, this one plant I let, get, I let grow. And now I see peppers forming on it. And I can't, wow. like, I'm not a father, so I don't know what it's like to have a baby, but it's certainly something like that. You know, it's like, oh my God, like this pepper plant, I planted it and I gave up on it. Exactly. And it's, exactly. All it needs is sunshine and water. Yes. And these are going to be the best jalapenos I've ever eaten. Of course. Of course. We grow uh, in, my, in my home, we grow tomatoes, we grow strawberries, we grow orange. We have, because we have a big garden in the back, we grow all that. We grow lettuce. What was the last thing you said? Lettuce. Oh, man. Uh-huh. We grow that as well. Yeah, we grow all that back home. Now, I predict this is something that happens with everyone. I'm, I don't want to like prepare you, over-prepare you for what's going to happen. But almost everyone, when they actually do something to act on their environmental values, almost always there's a greater connection with family and very close like spouses. Like For me, I, I mean... I connect with my family because of gardening. Like we gardened growing up, but as a kid, I didn't participate in it. Like I saw it, I didn't, but I didn't like yeah, dig yeah. myself. Yeah, me, me neither. And so I connect me with neither. my parents and so forth. If I have you back a second time to ask how it's going, uh, how long do you need to, to get a plant in that window? Or how, when should we record a second time? To get a plant in that window, I'll, I'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> I will get it tomorrow. There's a, well, when you spoke, you said, I'll say, oh, okay, that's perfect. Because I always wanted that. And I have a, I have to go and get uh, something COVID-related on a fabric, on a, a place nearby, and they have huge plant stores there. So I will go and learn about something that I can grow, and I will ask them, and then I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll, I'll do it. That, I'll do it tomorrow morning, actually. <laughs> so if you just get it and put it there, you won't nah, yet. Yeah, no, have no. the experience of it. No, no, no. Of growing, the watering, and so forth. I will, I will grow. Uh, I will go and and ask them and learn, and I'll get something to to grow myself. Because I, I need to ask. I need to understand how things uh, work and all that. So that's why I'm going to this place because they they have tons of it. So they also have the seeds. So that's what I'm gonna do. I don't know what yet, but it's gonna be something. It's gonna be cool. Yes. Yeah, they're looking his eyes again. Is you ah. looking wistfully upward? Yeah, because it sounds it sounds awesome, and I have a perfect setting outside. I just have to understand about the sun, and I, I, because I really don't know, but I'm, I'm I'm I want to learn. Okay, so for you to get the experience of like learning about the sun, not just having them tell you, but you actually do stuff on it, like you'll have to water it, you'll have to catch yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever you have to learn. How long do you think of that experience before? So that when I ask how's it going, you can tell me about what's been going on. Not just I bought it and put it in the window. No, that's not what I'm gonna do. <laughs> that's not what I'm gonna do. I'm not just. Gonna, I'm gonna grow myself. I want to see oh, it so, and I want to learn. Oh, so you don't know how long until like the shoot will start coming out of the ground? I don't know how long it's gonna take for me to learn something from it, because for sure when when I'm doing something like that, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have lessons to to learn from it for sure, and uh, I don't know if that's gonna take two days or two months. But I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be learning as well. And any moment in time that we speak, I would have something to say about it. So I'm going to say, based on my experience, I'm going to propose a couple months. No problem. Anytime you want. Okay. So after we finish, after we hang up, or after we stop recording, 
uh, if it's okay with you, let's get out the calendars and put something on the calendar of for course. a couple months from now. Of course. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Okay. So I walked you through prompting you to come up with the plant, but you came up with it and you're doing it. Are you doing it? What's motivating you? Are you doing it for me? The motivation, let me tell you uh, a conversation that I have with my student that we can relate to that. Okay. He was asking me about uh, how do you discover your talents and things like that and how talent will be developed and how that affects your life. So uh, what I thought when we were talking, a talent, it's nothing more than a drive that you didn't know was there. Because a talent or an inclination would just give you the spark for you to explore that. It happened to me in athletics, right? It happened to me uh, in fighting. Oh, I'm quite good at it. And then I had to go through the whole path. You are being the spark for me to do something that I always wanted to do. So it's like, it's like I see talent, you know, you have talent for things in life that you don't even know, but you only know when you feel that shift. Oh, oh, I'm good at it. So I'm going to do it. And then that's when you develop that thing that was inside of you that I call talent. You know, uh, I feel like I'm a very talented fighter, but if I didn't have that spark back in the first time that I trained, I would not have developed all that. And, and, and that came in my physical abilities too. So as this goes, I'm, I might have a talent for it that I don't know yet, but I, I just found a spark. This is incredible. I, I mean, we're a couple seconds into this, but now I'm curious of like reading the newspaper someday in the future, Singapore transformed by Brazilian fighter, <laughs> <Jiu Jitsu> fighter who... <laughs> but you know that Singapore is a very uh, friendly, environment, environmental friendly uh, place. I'm sure you heard about it, you read about it before. We have so many, so many trees and so many uh, greens uh, in everywhere. It's also known as a, a garden city or something like that. I have to Google because I, he- I heard that before. We also know as a garden city kind of thing, a city inside of a huge garden. Have you ever seen the, the gardens by the bay? I mean, I've been to the Marina Bay Sands. But you've never been to the other side that's the gardens uh-huh. by the bay. Wow. That's beautiful. Beautiful, brother. It's beautiful green, green part of Singapore. The, the botanic, botanic gardens here is, is gorgeous as well. I go there a lot. Well, I got to get back to Singapore, I guess. But I have to sail there. Yeah. Oh, really? You don't, don't fly? Yeah. You don't? The challenge that you gave yourself just now about getting the plant, my first challenge my first serious environmental challenge was to see if I could go for a week without buying any packaged food. And I ended up making it two and a half weeks and I've basically kept it up ever since so that I'm not zero. I still do get some packaged food, but it's mid 2021 right now. And the last time I emptied my garbage was 2019. So I'm this current load, I'm 18 or 19 months in. Wow. And the joy that you're talking about with the, with the planting, I felt that with, cooking fresh vegetables from scratch and getting dried beans and cooking everything, you know, from scratch. And, you know, there's six months of like when I didn't know how to cook and I was just eating steamed vegetables with, you know, a little salt and pepper, maybe a little vinegar on them. And it didn't taste very good, but I stuck with it. And I said, I'm not going to go back to the way I was before. 
And gradually, it became more and more delicious. So years into that, when I was thinking about flying and I learned about how much it polluted, I thought to myself, that challenge before, I thought it was going to be horrible. I thought I was going to give up all my favorite food and I thought I was going to lose time and money and so forth. But it ended up being better. So I thought, I wonder if I can go for some period of time without flying and recreate that joy, that discovery that I did before because I thought I needed to fly. I thought, how else can I make money? What about my family? And all sorts of you know, adventure and cuisine. And so I challenged myself to go for a year without flying. And that was, the year was 2016. And again, I thought I wouldn't make it. And a couple months in, I, instead of saying, what can't I do? I started saying, what can I do? What can I do? And then I started figuring out like if I, how to make money, how to get cultural exchange and how to get adventure. And eventually I got more of that, not less. Of course you got more of it. Because I was creating it as opposed to getting it handed to me if I paid money for it. Now, if airplanes didn't pollute, actually, after a while, I realized that even if airplanes didn't pollute, I still would seriously avoid most flying anyway. Because not just pollution, it tears communities apart. People think a plane brings me to someone distant, like my mom. But flying in general made me live far away from her in the first place. Yes. It leads to less time with family. You know, there's a difference between one plane and flying in general, like a system versus an element within a system. Exactly. And yeah, it would be really cool to go to Singapore tomorrow and get some durians and hang out with you. But it may be five or 10 years before I get there, but I'm going to sail across the Pacific Ocean. And I don't have a sailboat, right? I'm going to have to find someone to go with. And a previous guest invited me to, to go visit his school in Bangkok. So I want to go to, and Thai food so far is my favorite. And I definitely want to go there. And so I'm going to make it there someday or, you know, die on the way. But, and I'll probably end up in Europe first because Atlantic is a much smaller ocean. And go back to the, I think the first thing that I, that I tell you, when you set out, set out challenges for yourself, it has to be something meaningful and something that makes us some way, in some way, a better selves, you know? So definitely that, uh, what is set out for you is making yourself somewhat much better than what it used to be. For sure. I mean, I'm sure of that. And everything, those experiences that is telling me that you are creating is not being handed to you. They are more tasteful. Yeah. When, when you get this, when you listen to this episode, after having had the second half of the conversation talking about the environment, when you listen to the first part, what you're talking about, it's exactly what we need. I mean, that's, exactly. the world needs that for the environment more than it needs. By all means, we should do more research. But to have more people applying what you apply to your life all over the place into the environment, people doing that is much more valuable. But uh, the problem is that uh, I see both of us, though we see things in a, in a similar way, obviously, but we are obviously, obviously, brother, we are not in a, I would say, normal part of the community per se. We are not, de de we are definitely not regular people. Like, yeah, let me, let me restate it a little bit. It's not that we need everyone to be like you or me. Exactly. But we are the people to learn from. Yes. Yes, the scientists. I mean, I don't want to say don't learn from them. But when we want to learn what to do. You have to do ourselves. Yeah. And you have to the do role, ourselves. You have this to. podcast is about creating role models. That's why I bring leaders to this. I want people who have learned how to overcome internal resistance, who have learned how to find role models, find coaches, find what works, not just 
what not just theory but then again being not normal people as we are we have different drives so people don't want to leave their their comfort don't want to leave their couches they don't want to do anything that challenges themselves people get comfortable way too easy way too easy and and, and that's one of the biggest problems with any 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 cause if you think about it it's just people being comfortable the way they live in that is a big problem and we me and you definitely are not comfortable <laughs> you know but we are also the minority and yet it is a challenge to get people off the couch and yet people pay to come to you to get coaching yes people come to you so and then i presume that the people that you coach even though you don't talk to their family and friends something reaches their family and friends from you through them of course and of course maybe it doesn't make it to three levels but you're not you're not having a zero effect on the world it's not just only what you're doing it's how you affect others that's and you're not you're not doing something like Eddie Vedder where you're trying to reach lots and lots of people directly but you're doing something and exactly some people are going to there will be some who you work one on one probably at a time or maybe of course I'm not sure but there are other people going to want they're going to do it differently and they're they're not you but they do it their way and their way is to talk to lots of people maybe I'll get some musicians on this podcast or maybe you know I'll get people who organize things everyone is different so you're going to work in one way other people are going to work in another way the point is you lo- i predict and we'll see what happens maybe you'll get the plant it'll die and it'll be like oh and now i'm depressed and i feel terrible maybe it'll counter you know it'll go backward but i predict you're going to get one plant i predict you know i'll i'll bet you that when i talk to you next you're not going to have one plant in your window nah and that's probably that's probably that's probably right and that is probably it's going to right. lead to other people I, having plants and so forth. And who knows how it'll all play out. But the joy, right? What I knew would come from this is that because I'm digging into intrinsic motivation, not extrinsic. And I'm bringing exactly. that out. And that's what, I, that's what I'm all about is switching from here's what you have to do to here's what you get to do. You know, so it takes a bit of walking through that process. Of First, I had to ask you. I had to find out your inner what it meant to you, your Brazil childhood with the green and the ice. No one else had that. So I couldn't have let anyone, I, I can't go to someone else. You know how br- green Brazil is? And then have them act? It wouldn't work. <laughs> I have wouldn't. to listen first. Yes. I have to ask. Of course. Yeah. And uh, this, this conversation has been delightful and being, and, and, and you, you got me challenged, sir. So I appreciate that. I really appreciate that because uh, it's, uh, it's a new thing to think about. Uh, sometimes you get too caught up on, the, on, your, uh, on your own world, which you probably know which one is mine. It's a fitness kind of thing, although it's health-related. It's, it's, health, uh, it's not environmental-related. But I will definitely take up the challenge and do a little bit of my part and uh, lead others into it if I can. Well, I'm going to leave this as the cliffhanger then to, to okay. the people who have to listen to the next episode, and you too. All right. Actually, let me close with one last question. If, uh, is, if there's anything you want to say to the listeners directly or anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up. Guys, it doesn't matter what it is, what is the subject, what is the goal. Just keep one thing in mind. It's something that is... is 
It's been with me since I'm a child, I guess. When, when I left home very early because of sports, early as a child. <laughs> you have to do what you have to do. I always say that. I always say that. If you have to do something, you just go and f- can do it. You know, don't ask your partner, don't ask your friend, your daughter. You just go and do it, whatever it is. You will never regret doing something. Never. You, the worst regret is getting to a point and look back and, oh, I wish I'd have done that. How you never want that in your life. So just do whatever you need to do. Thank you very much. And now I just realized, as you mentioned your family, I made a note. Are you still raising money for your niece? And if so... It's about to end, I think, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. Yeah, I would have to go and look when, when, the, when the, the GoFundMe ends. It's about to end. Uh, we, had, we, set up, we set up like a month, a, month, a month plus after the record was announced. Okay, well, this, won't, this will take at least a month before it goes up. So it'll yes. be close. Okay. No Sorry, problem. I can't help you there. It's okay. It's okay. You're helping me. You're helping me with this conversation. Helping me help others. Well, Cassiano Loriano, thank you very much. Thank you very much, brother. And take care, guys. Be safe. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.